Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast, episode 20-2. We're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Every week we hang out and listen to great video game music of the past and the present. And if it's if it's good, we're going we're gonna listen to it. <laughs> All over the place. Just music jamboree, baby. Yeah. It's it's just everything, right? Um, mm-hmm. have you been playing anything new this past week? Uh yes and no. Uh so uh, review wise, I've been getting my games in here and there. Um, I didn't play a ton recently. Like, I played Hero Land, which is a cool little game where you are an employee working at an amusement park where people come <laughs> okay. to fight monsters and dungeons, but the monsters are people dressed in monster costumes. <laughs> it's a very interesting premise. Wait, and you play an employee at the at the place? Yeah, you play the tour guide. Oh, so funny. as you're leading them through the dungeons, you have to make sure they don't get killed. As they're running through being heroes, so you can like heal them and give them guidance. Like, hey, maybe you want to target that guy. That's how you succeed at this part. It's like if you go like an amusement park, like a normal amusement park, and you go to one of those booths. Like, okay, your whole goal is to get from here to the end of the haunted house or whatever. Okay. But you get that one guy. It's like I can't solve the puzzle in this room, and the guy comes out like the Dracula costumes, like breaks characters. Like, so what you want to do is actually bite <laughs> that apple. The apple actually triggers the door. So you're that kind of guy. Oh, okay. And then aside from that. I've been slowly progging through uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. How's that going? I don't even know. <laughs> slowly? <laughs> it's very slowly, which is not good because I need to be ready for MAGFest because yeah. I'm steel guy there. Yeah, that's just year. a couple couple weeks? Three mm. weeks? Wow, that's real fast. It's coming up very fast. Really fast. And I only just beat the fourth gym, so I might have to marathon it this weekend or last weekend when you're listening to the show um, to try to like just speed through some of the stuff and just get to the end because I've been addicted to the wild area. Just running around and fishing and checking, you know, those stupid crystalline they summon pods. I don't even know what the hell they're called. I, I have not seen any of this, so I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> it's a fun so you game. you around looking for Tide Pods. Y- yes. <laughs> yeah. You summon so you Pokemon with Tide Pods. <laughs> the laundry Pokemon. That's right. Laundry Mon. There, why is there not a... <laughs> wait, no, Rotom Wash. There is a laundry Pokemon. Oh my God. I was like, there has to be, right? There really is. Rotom Washing Machine, and he's actually one of the most popular Pokemon to use. Really? And the metagame, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like... I'm yeah. not sure if he's in Sword and Shield or not, but I know like, the metagame prior to Sword and Shield, he showed up in a lot of tournament teams. Huh. That's pretty cool. And for good reason, because he's a jerk. Um, I have I got back into Street Fighter V a little bit. I don't know why. I saw the new update was coming out, and I was like, I'm going to play some more. So I picked up Ryu. Did it already happen? Because I know that the the full version on disc is February, but I think you said it could, the DLC is this month? Yeah, so the full, the full version on disc is in February. If you own it already, you can actually buy the update now. Um before that disc release comes out. So you you can get like I think it's all of like the season 5 like uh, um updates. I don't think Gil's in it yet. Like the newest characters and stuff aren't going to be in it until February, but you mm-hmm. get all of like all of the patched like moves and all that, that new other new trigger. I don't think that's in the end either. But uh-huh. like the um the 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 scaling and and all of the weighting and they do have everything. So I don't know. It, it, it was still working, I guess. I, the first night I w- I went to put it in I had to do an update and it took over an hour. And then I, I finally got the game going. Mm-hmm. And then all of the servers were down because of the update. So I couldn't play online. It just it was really frustrating. 
But it's just you beating training dummies in anticipation so that when you actually get online, yeah. you just burst in, burst forth with rage and just like decimate everybody. Yeah, it was. I, I was like really thinking, am I going to play this again? So my main, yes, my first, yeah, probably my first, my main when I when I first started playing was ended up being Cami because mm-hmm. I liked how much faster she was than everybody else. And just Cami, and it's Cami. She's cool. But now I'm thinking like I want to change it, so I'm gonna stick with Ryu. It's gonna be Yammy. Yammy. I'm gonna play Jammy. Or Hammy. I'm Jammer Lammy. <laughs> I wish. It should be Lammy. How is that not a fighting oh, game? That'd be so good. Um, but before we chase out, I want to I want to mention this because it just came to mind. Mm-hmm. Or not came to mind, but it reminded me that I should say it. So for folks who are thinking about this, i.e. patrons and whatnot, you let me say at the end of the episode, but just figure, knock it out. So we were talking earlier about the Patreon episode. Yes. And it's going to be, it may not be at the same time as normal. It might be like the very first week of January because with right. the holidays being what they are, it's going to get a little wonky donkey yeah. to plan that both for us and for you guys. However, topics, boom, got them. I got the topic for this month and I'll just tell you the topic for next month too. Though, obviously, I can just bring it up again next All month. Right, so for our Patreon stream topic mm-hmm. is gifts, to friends and loved ones. By that being music. Think of it as like a shout out episode. Oh, I like that. So it'll be like, hey, to if you have a if you have a spouse, to my loved one, I give you this track. Yeah. Because I feel as though yeah. it 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 it, inspi- it, inspi- it it the way it sounds makes me think of you when I listen to it. Or this track because it reminds me of you, or this track because you need to get in gear. Yeah, you know, we, anything. We could do it like old school radio DJs, where it could be like, "This one goes out to such and such Egg. because they gave him free guacamole when he was at Chipotle." Nailed it. Yes, perfect. That'd be fun. I like that. I can't wait for that one. So that one's going to be gifts, gifts to friends, mm-hmm. loved ones, Romans, countrymen. Yeah. And then the next one for January will be a little weirder, but fineish. New years, new starts, new games. Mm. And by that, we mean new retro games. So games that you feel as though Rob and I should knock out or at least attempt in 2020, yeah. get us on the right foot with good games. And of course, being rhythm and pixels, the link to good games is great tunes. So hit us up with tracks from games you think we should be playing or give a shot to. Yeah, because 2020, I want to do more streaming because that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I think that'll be like a good like, hey, we should do these games. So mm-hmm. something, something to think about. Um, so another, one more thing on the top of the show to just sort of all this housekeeping stuff. Um, so the end of December mm-hmm. into January is going to be difficult with episodes. So that means that our live streamed episode for December for Patreon members will probably be the first week of January. Yes. Um, so that's that's what's happening there. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the release date release dates of the episodes after this one is not going to be Monday anymore um, because I just need to give myself more time to breathe and to be, live to be a human being yes <laughs> so we're going to move it to either Tuesdays or Wednesdays instead of Monday so what that ultimately means is you'll still get a new episode every week yeah just not the top of the week so if you need it on Monday back yourself up a week <laughs> get it on Wednesday listen on Monday <laughs> just back yourself up just back it up a week back it up um, yeah, so that's it. I mean, it may not sound like a lot to you. It means a lot to me. So we're going to do that. So uh, after this week, that's when it'll be coming out. Um, it might be some short. The next two episodes might be a little bit shorter as well. Just again, because 
pronounced traveling and then i've got you know work stuff and holiday holiday madness. madness and then more holiday madness and then magfest madness boogaloo which there might actually be some fun specials from that because so many of your favorite podcasting friends will be at magfest this year like, at the same time like rombo the dancing dice and <laughs> I don't know, that other guy, the one with the shirt. And He'll ble- be there. And Bleeding Gums Murphy. <laughs> we all loved him. Wow, no one loved Bleeding Gums Murphy. <laughs> Dr. Marvin Monroe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's 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 what's going on uh, this year. Life be crazy. Life being crazy. Um, but this week's episode topic is the PlayStation. It's the 25th anniversary. 25th anniversary of the PlayStation brand. The PlayStation 1. The brand, right? That's right. This is the very first PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, Pernell, what what was your experience with the first the first release of the PlayStation? Well, actually, it's funny you ask it because like I think about that a lot, and like on just in general. So the PS One came out back in. Let me see. I actually wrote it down because I was going to mention it with the song. The system came out in America on September 9th, nineteen ninety five, which is funny because I thought for I honestly thought that Sega was the only one that nailed the nine nine bit, but. Huh. Nine nine ninety five versus nine nine ninety nine. Anyway, this came out on that date. I didn't even know it was coming out. I heard n- nothing of it. Even yeah. though I got game magazines, I never read anything about this system. Hmm. Just happened to be at a friend's house one what, day. What, what, what were you playing at your time? Like, what was your game jam on the PS one? No, no, before the PS one came out, like oh. around the time that came out. Like, oh, what were Super you Nintendo. So, so you were not on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I skipped yeah. the Saturn because mm-hmm. I believe the Saturn came out in ninety four. Mm-hmm. Um, I skipped the Saturn because it was too expensive and I ain't had that kind of money. I was broke. Yeah, but Super Nintendo was still kicking out some amazing titles, such as like you know Mario RPG. I don't think Chrono Trigger had come out yet. I'm not even sh- yeah, I'm almost positive Mario RPG had come out by then, or it was near coming. Anyway, point is, there were still hot titles coming out on this console, and I was still playing them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel the need to upgrade. Also, Genesis I was playing as well. Yeah, and the N64 wasn't gonna come, but it wasn't released until '97. Yeah, it was a rumor at the time. It was wow. still, I think this was still when they were calling it the Ultra 64 and they were talking about how great it was going to be. That's right, yeah. But uh, I get to a friend's house that like a couple, like maybe a month or so in, mm-hmm. and one of that friend's friends brought over his PlayStation, which he had purchased. And he had a few games. He had, well, one of which I'll name for my first track leader, but he had Jumping Flash. He had. Actually, I feel like that may be the, the game I'm going to name. He had Jumping Flash. And that's it. He may have had other games, but I don't think about those. That's just... Oh, ESP and Extreme Games. He had that too. And um, I was playing it, but I wasn't really feeling it. My thought back then was how a lot of more... Our younger listeners now were probably feeling about when Microsoft hit the scene, which is... Who is this guy? Yeah, like we got what? Nintendo, we got Sega. What's Sony jumping in for, what right? That, yeah, get <laughs> yeah. back to making televisions. We don't want you. <laughs> get out of here. It's crowded. And then out of nowhere, you see how that turned. They pretty yeah. much started squashing faces and taking names. Yeah. And, and there's all she wrote. So when this for me, when this came, when the, the the PlayStation was released, I wasn't playing a lot of video games. I had a Sega Genesis, and I was playing a lot of that. But in high, I think this was like high school. We were in high school. I got really involved in um, uh, Atari. So I was into retro games, which I guess these games are now retro. But I was into retro, retro games. So I was collecting Atari 2600, collecting 5200 and 7800 games. No Coleco? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I only had so much space in my bedroom. So I was playing a ton of Atari at the time. And then um, suddenly one of my friends was like, you know what? Like, 
Um, so what, were they, what were they playing? I think they I think they got excited for Final Fantasy VII, and that's when I started seeing all my friends having this thing. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was ninety-seven. I think it was either ninety-seven or ninety-eight. I was on the school. Uh, oh wait, wow, holy moly! It was ninety-seven because our high schools changed because our, our high school was being renovated. Okay, I was going. We were going to Claymont. Okay, you remember because Claymont was like this. I don't even know if it's there. Is it still there? I wasn't affiliated with that district, but my friend who moved yeah. to this side of that side of town mm-hmm. ended up going there, so I knew about the whole transfer through him. Yeah, so we had to go to Claymont, and so I was suddenly having to take the bus because before I was just either driving or just walking because I, I live so close. And um, this this kid on the bus, he was a year younger than me. He was trying to um, make he was trying to make some money for a school trip, and so he had the, a, a PlayStation with an extra controller. He had Wipeout. It was either Wipeout or Wipeout Excel. That tells you the, the, the date that it was in. And then, like, some Madden game I didn't care about. And he was going to sell it to me for, like, 50 bucks. Ooh. And I was like, oh, my God. I actually have I actually have the money. <laughs> I can actually do this. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I, don't, I haven't had, like, a legit game system for myself, like, ever. I don't know where this guy got this PlayStation from that he's selling for like, 50 bucks. Other, but- other than the Atari that I got at a flea market... And like the Genesis, which was technically my brother's. So I was like, yeah, I'll do this. And I immediately fell in love with Wipeout. And then I immediately fell in love with pirated games. Yes. And yes, I'm a part of the problem. But um, honestly, yeah. back then we all were, because let's be blunt piracy at the time was new. There was no protection on anything. It yeah. was the Wild West. It, if someone had a game, you would go to Blockbuster Video, <laughs> rent a game, burn it, burn it, and then just take it back to the store. Yep. That's how simple it was. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, for better or for worse, like, that's that's what we did. I mean, that, that was my entry point into a lot of systems because I just, again, I'm just frugal to a fault. And that's, that's, I, I'll have more memories later on in the show. But, um, my whole, all of my picks for today's episode are from the launch games of the PlayStation in America, and mine yeah. are not. <laughs> <laughs> I I when we were talking about the topic, my brain was originally thinking, yeah, PS One, let's go bonkers, and that started thinking, 25th, 25th anniversary of PlayStation, the brand or the console, and my thought was the brand. So I ended up picking tracks from across the different PS systems based on my time of getting the system or playing my first games on each respective console. So some fun stories to come out of each of those little yeah, tidbits. I'm excited to hear them. So um, I'm going to start then with, um, this is a even numbered episode. I'm going to start with my first track from an absolute blast of a game of an, a great multiplayer game. And I'm so glad I had no idea it was a launch title and it makes sense. Cause like all the launch titles, like there's like the launch titles range from fighting games <clears throat> kind of fighting games, shooting games, racing games, and then this game, which is kind of like, you think about it, it's kind of like a kart racer. This is Twisted Metal for the Sony PlayStation, composed by, um, and I'm not sure which one exactly, but we have Chucky Myers, Tom Hopkins, Lance Leonard, and this is the Rooftop Battle.
That was Rooftop Battle from the game Twisted Metal for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Chuck E. Myers, Tom Hopkins, and Lance Leonard. That is just the biggest, biggest track ever in, in a game that's just you driving around in cars, shooting missiles at each other, and one of them's like an like ice cream truck. Yeah, Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth. Oh, that's my God. That's the iconic part of the game. Yeah. Oh, man, we had so much fun playing. We were just hours just... Uh, uh, multiplayer over and over and over again and, and you get to this stage or before this like you're in parking lots and you're in cities and it's just fun driving around being all stupid and blowing stuff up but then this stage you're on rooftops and you're like you're knocking people off of like the ledges and stuff it's crazy so were you like jumping between rooftops yeah you can you can like go real real fast and like just go from rooftop to rooftop and it's super dangerous and it's just it's really cool it's got an interesting I premise mean, too, because I remember I never got to play Twisted Metal aside from a bit of the second game, mm-hmm. but I do remember that the premise of it was uh, there's a guy named of all names, I think it was like Calypso, some ridiculousness. There's a story. Yeah, there was a <laughs> there was a story. It was a goofy <laughs> I one. I don't know any of that. The Twisted Metal tournament was ran by a guy named Calypso. who was pretty much a demon, and uh, the whole concept was like if you win the tournament, he'll give you anything you want, like oh. a prize, but. Maybe my memory's a little jaunty because I've been trying to read up on it just to get my memory back on it. But I recalled all almost all of the endings being like a monkey's paw sort of thing. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, I want this, and he's like, "All right," and he gives it to you. But there's like a downside to it. Like, okay. no, it's actually going to kill me when I eat the cake. I mean, I treated this game like a fighting game. It's like, yeah, there's a story, maybe, but like the fun was just playing with your friends. Like, it felt, it felt like a kart racer, but. I mean, you go back to look at these these old 3D games now. Like they're hard to look at. They're dark and kind of gritty, and like all of the angles are kind of jagged. You know, like it wasn't like they didn't look great, but they were they were just fun to play. It's all about the fun, though. All about the fun. So we're we're gonna. I mean, the PlayStation was was like like that, right? Like a lot of these games are just they were early 3D, early 3D, but they were beyond like say what 3DO was attempting, where it was like mostly 2D, but. Cause I barely dabbled the 3D because it was a monkey. Yeah. It was an irky But this is this is a time where they were like, okay, it's a CD system, but we're not going to make a whole bunch of full motion video like garbage, right? Yeah, they were officially stepping out, and like that's why like a lot of the early PS1 games, there's always that question of like, do these games hold up? Mm-hmm. Because it's like early 3D modeling. Yeah. So like think of like Wild Arms battles, the battle rooms and. From in Wild Arms or Resident Evil One, where you were walking around and all the characters were kind of moving their arms mm. and junk, or even like some of the fighting games in the system, they were all just like these like weird like blocks that were just slapped together. That's right. But back then they looked cool because that was the best we had, and it was awesome to see them even get to that point. Mm. So that's also why flat out, like I've seen somebody post recently, like they they are announcing Resident Evil 3's remake. And they've had two earlier this year, and of course there was one that had like a gajillion remakes. But like, um, people were like, "Oh, come on, I'm getting real sick of these remakes." I'm like, "No, I'm sick of PS3 remakes, and I'm sick of you know this game." But now it's the game of the year version. But PS1 games, yeah, and Saturn games with their early 3D, they just all of those deserve remakes. The good ones, anyone? No, it's interesting. My like, I've played Resident Evil two. I played three. But I didn't really, really like get through them uh-huh. until they were re-released on the Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, and that, that that's be- when I played them. And um, and uh, well, Code Veronica was Dreamcast, right? Yeah, that was a release originally on the Dreamcast. Yeah, and I was like, wait, it's two. Two was on the Dreamcast, right? It was, but what it was was yeah, the, it, the one and two, and I think even three got on there, but they were all just ports. There was yeah. nothing new or special about they were, them. No, they were smoothed out. 
and um, the VMU, and then now we're turning it into a Dreamcast episode. <laughs> but I lo- what I loved about it was that in the original Resident Evil games, you only knew how hurt you were by how you had to go to the menu, by how you had to either go to the menu or but you had to look at how your guy how your guy was walking. Or the hobble animation. But the VMU was had a little LCD screen on it. Oh, on it the showed the pulse, and it showed your pulse right on there. It was amazing. There it, was a lot of stuff. It that changed the game. It was like, why couldn't they just put this on the screen? Like. <laughs> Yeah, but there was a there was I mean, nothing wrong with the Dreamcast doing the the VMU. It was cool, but that's the put I'm putting it on the screen. What I think would be a bit of a disservice because yeah. if you were fighting a zombie or a dog or something, if your health bar was very present on the screen, uh, I think a lot of the tension would come and go away. Whereas if you get bit mm-hmm. and you're running from the guy yeah. and you're like moving, you're moving, <laughs> and then you get but you're out, you're safe, you're out of the way. You go to the meeting, it's like, how am I doing? Oh god, I'm still in the green. I, I just remember so well, like looking at the controller and being like, "This is a quality of life thing they just did for me right here." Like, I just feel much better about this. Um, but anyway, we, we can we can move on from that, and because uh, I have some some interesting PlayStation stories. Don't let me forget um, about my friend. I, I don't even want to call him out because there's some nefarious things that happened. Was it Applejack? Applejack. Yeah, was it Applejack? It was not Applejack. It it, it was it Ragamuffin. It did it did take place. At the back of a bookstore, so it was ragamuffin. <laughs> it was, it was totally ragamuffin. It was, uh, it was how uh, teenage kids made some extra money with the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, that's a story you'll have to tell. Till. You'll have to tell. Them. So look forward to that. All right. So what's what's the first one you're going to go with? So my first track is going to come from the game Ballerina Toshinden. Yes. All right. And the track is the Kayan Amo theme. Not the character I use, but it sure heck sounds good anyway. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I remember this game, but I don't remember really playing it that much to have like a good memory of it. And I, I'll get into the idea of it because I'm in the same boat almost. But the composer of this track is Yasuhiro Nakano.
Wow, what an ending, man. Oh, that was Ballerina Toshinden. Um, the Kayan Amo theme, composed by Yasuhiro Nakano. Um, originally, I was going to pick the Ellis theme because that character is who I used to frequently use in the game, and also that is the track that I most remembered from the game. But this one knocked it out of the water. Yeah, this, for me. this is a Pernell track. It's got that, it's got that swing beat. Mm-hmm. It's got that, I don't know, accordion. It's got that crazy drum solo. Oh yeah, and this is a banger. <laughs> I was telling Pernell like this is, this is a, a one of the early 3D games that had ring outs. So games didn't just end after you knocked your opponent's life down. Games can end super fast by just tossing it out the ring. So if your fight got to the point where you got to that drum solo, you're doing something wrong. That's for sure. <laughs> and I used to use Ellis, and my memory is a little hazy as to whether or not I actually was pulling off ring elsewhere, but I definitely used her to keep the pressure. She basically was like a speedy, dual dagger wielding character. Yep. And I was like, yep, that's that's the character you would pick. Exactly, right? Super fast, super weak. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're all about tapping. Those yeah, tapping yeah. hits. Super fast. So this game launched with the PS1. This was a launch title. Right. And, uh, yeah, janky 3D. But at the time, it was amazing because 3D fighters. Holy cow. And uh, my friends would play this. And back then, I was very anti-fighting game. Like, I, did, I didn't play Street Fighter like that. I mean, you're still not excited about them now. But I was even less so back mm. then. Um, but this one was the first fighting game I came across that really did the anime fighters mm. thing. Like, yeah, there was like Flash Hiders on the on the on the Turbo Graphics, but I couldn't yeah. afford Flash yeah, Hiders. This, this had this had a style to it. Like, they really had that anime style they were going for. Now, there was an anime movie that came out, right? Yeah, but the, and it was an anime movie for Toshinden that we got a U.S. release and everything. Did that come out with the game, or did, like was it? I came later. I came later. It was one of those things. Like, there was a number of like anime adaptations that happened. And as anime started to pick up more in the States, right. which was around like 96. Yeah, I used to go to Suncoast Video. And it's like a wall of VHS tapes. Yeah. And most of them were in the adult section for no reason. For no reason. They were like, it's anime. Like, I guess. Want to buy Ranma one half? I need to see your ID, sir. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> There's, I, I don't know how many times I had to go up to the counter and go, this is not adult. I don't know why you're making me show my ID. And this, I'm not even an adult, so just sell it to me, please. This is a children's cartoon, and I'm an adult. Can I please buy this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was so ridiculous. But like, as those as it started becoming popular, I think it, it may have even been Viz. It was like there was Viz and AD Vision. They were the two big AD dogs. Vision. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not unfortunately they're not around no. anymore though. But Viz is, and uh, these were the guys that were putting out the majority of the of the anime releases. And I'm almost positive that Toshinden was pro- more likely a AD Vision release. But if not, it was Viz. And if it was neither of those, then holy cow, maybe Media House or something did it. But point is, a lot of these like video game adaptations were like a good bridge to get people on board. It's like, hey, did you like Samurai Showdown? Here's the Samurai Showdown anime that released <laughs> in Japan like four years ago. But now we're giving it to you because we know people want to watch them now. And of course, there was always the famous Street Fighter movie, which was like, I think the cut was like the big dog for like fighting video game into anime movie. Even got like the freaking U.S. soundtrack with like Rob Zombie and mess in it. Wait a minute. The, 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 the anime... Street Fighter movie you're talking about. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know what the soundtrack for that was because I just discovered the soundtrack to the American Street Fighter live action movie. Oh. That soundtrack is crazy good. The it, movie or the game? For the 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 movie, not the game based on the movie. <laughs> that, that titling through there was actually a Street Fighter, the movie, the, the game. game. Okay. Well that that's this, I mean, if you're if you're okay with it, that could be my segue into my next track. I think I am okay with it. Okay, so first, um, so Street Fighter the movie, 
um, was a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia and Kylie Minogue as Cammy. And one of the most famous lines I can think of when people say is like, you burned my village and destroyed my home, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. For me, that was Tuesday. For me, oh, man, he played that like so over the top. So that soundtrack, the movie, the soundtrack to the actual movie has um, Ice Cube, it has The Far Side, it has Rally Rao, it has all these amazing classic hip-hop like people on it. Like the entire soundtrack is almost all rap, like old school From rap. From the game. For the movie. For the movie. <laughs> <laughs> For the movie. I got to tell you flat out, this is not intentional. I'm making these genuine mistakes. No, no, no. So it's, it's really cool. Um, so when they decided to make a game based on the movie, movie. about the game. game. Not the movie. They did. It, they went. They took a completely different tack because Mortal Kombat was hitting the arcades and, and making a big, making a big scene in the arcades, right? Mm-hmm. So what they did was they did, um, uh, they took images of the art of the uh, actors, mm-hmm. except for Raul Julia, who at the time was very, very sick and could not be in the game. It was his last movie, wasn't it? It was his last movie because, yeah, he got very sick and couldn't do anything after that. So they wanted him to perform some of the moves and they could do, like, the motion capture for the game in, of course, the jankiest, you know, 90s way possible, but he was not able to do that. So they got some... I forget the other actor they got to do it. I think it's the guy they... Oh, I think I know who did it. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell that in a second. The fact that they actually got the Honda actor to actually perform a flying headbutt <laughs> was amazing. I know. He was in the hospital for weeks. <laughs> but, but he deserved He, <laughs> he earned deserved that. Um, so, yeah. So the um, so they got them all to do uh, uh, these uh, what looks like a live-action game of Street Fighter. But, it, of course, it doesn't really play that great. But it was first released in the arcades. I didn't know that. That has its own soundtrack. Then they made they took that and they ported it to the Sega Saturn, the Panasonic 3DO, which is how I first discovered it. And then also it was a release game for the PlayStation. It was a launch title. It was a launch title? A launch title for the Sony PlayStation. I didn't know, know this. And I believe that this one also has its own soundtrack. It's not credited at the end of the game. It's not credited in the manual. Not even like a bun-bun sort of deal? Nowhere. <laughs> I even reached out to the powers that be, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm like, he, he couldn't find anything. If he can't find it, then it doesn't exist. I don't know. So we know it's Capcom, though it was developed by Capcom. It was produced by Acclaim. Okay. So there's some weird stuff going on there as well. I saw uh, the days of Acclaim and Galoob. And- so this does not have Ice Cube on it. No, this does not have the far side. This does not have tea? Nas. This is Ice Coffee. This is a Capcom produced. Music. This is a Capcom produced music. It's iced coffee. <laughs> um, so I chose the theme for the character that's not in the original game. This was originally intended to be like the face of Street Fighter. They wanted to make this character um, be the like, oh, this is the new Street Fighter. This is like, oh, like they're bringing it to a new generation. That's sort of exactly. Deal. But instead, we got Jean Claude Van Damme as the all American <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. Fight for what's might have the muscles from Brussels. Uh, is actually our all-American hero. Uh, but this is this Captain Sawada, who had like three scenes in the actual movie. Oof. And they made him a character in the game. But was he a good character in the game? He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link you to some some playthroughs. of. Um, there's, a, there's a YouTube show called Super Couch Fighters that's amazing. And, and they, they pick him over and over again because he's so funny. But no, he was in the movie. Um, I believe it's this actor who did the motion capture for um, M. Bison. Oh, since um, Raul Julia was too sick to actually do that in Japan, this game was also released, but not as it was not released as Street Fighter the movie, the game, 
because Street Fighter streets. because Street Fighter the movie was an anime in Japan. Ah, so they called it like something else. I think it translated to Street Fighter the Real People Movie or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was a dumb name. The game humans so, that punch. Yeah, but it's, it's still released there, and and still they actually had reversed the names again. So Vega and Bison, um, Balrog and Balrog, they were all flipped around again. I still um, wish I understood why they did that in the first place. I I I, I think. I think it's because M. Bison and Mike Tyson were too close together. Ah, that's, that's my, a good point. That's my guess. Um, but anyway, so I'm Michael Bison. This is the theme of Sawada, my boy, Captain Sawada from Street Fighter, the movie, the game for the Sony PlayStation. The soundtrack. And this is a, actually, I really like the soundtrack. It's like one of my favorites. Um, but the composer is unknown, so we can't credit them. the theme of Captain Sawada from the game Street Fighter the movie the game for the Sony PlayStation the soundtrack the soundtrack composer is unknown I love like it's got the cool sound effects like this clearly takes place like in the jungle or I love this oh, that's neat you got the, the, the elephants maybe maybe there are elephants in the background like you I feel like I need to listen to more of this OST it's good this is really good yeah this is this is Capcom I and mean, this is like classic Capcom this sounds good Mm-hmm. I, I love this actually too. It's like a marimba or something. It's really neat. Like it's got it's got everything I like about Capcom, like arcade music. All right, so my story is, uh, and I'm gonna leave his name out of it, but just it, call him Whackamajoo toward towards the end of high school. Um, so he worked at a local bookstore, and they sold CDs. Let's call him the Turtalitarian. The Turtalitarian. <laughs> um, and you would bring your PlayStation to him. Mm-hmm. Like in the daytime, mm-hmm. and behind the counter, you had a soldering iron and a bunch of tools, and he would modify your PlayStation. Oh, on on the clock, <laughs> on the clock, nice. <laughs> and hand it back to you, and then that PlayStation will be able to play whatever you wanted on it. What year would you say this was? Oh, man, ninety-seven. Man, I wish I knew you Maybe guys back then because I was using the key card method. Back I think it then. was the end of high school. Yeah, so this way, like, so to for the game for the to make the PlayStation play non-branded discs because uh-huh. when you started the machine up it would read the disc to see if it was Sony or whatever and then it would stop it uh-huh. so the way to get around that I think you, you, you it was probably like you probably like stuck like a thing into it yeah I used to use the spring and the key card method though if you didn't have those some people find out use paper clips yeah you stuck a paper clip in it so that it the the, the, um, the tray the CD tray stayed it thought it was still down while you opened it up and switched the game and put a new one in. Yep. This one was just, you could just put whatever you wanted into it and just it would spin right up. 
So I would um, ignore the check. Yeah, and so he made a little extra money on the side just by doing this. I think I still have it. I think it's still in the basement. It's a it's a place. It's a gray PlayStation with a little mark on it. I made with a sharpie, so I remembered which one it was. Nice. I, I just kept it forever. Uh, I, I doubt it, I doubt it still works, but um, it is down there. I only had I only did one hard mod to a console ever, and that was my Dreamcast. I love how we keep taking it back to Dreamcast. Yeah, no, but that, like, yeah, I hard modded my Dreamcast, and then the freaking battery died. So in the end, when I got my next Dreamcast, I just used Utopia disc. Yeah, but it was very nice and convenient to just be able to say, I want to put this disc in, press power, and it would just run. No weird jankiness, no yeah, crazy you techniques. Could just do what you wanted with it. Um, you know, as a kid, not with a lot of money, like it's just it worked out. Um, and then I went on to work at the arcade, and one of my birthdays, um, another friend of mine, who I will not name again. Let's um, call him Turquoise Pete. Turquoise Pete surprised me. Like, I wasn't expecting anything. No one's ever got me birthday presents. Like, Turquoise Pete! He showed up with a bag. It was a bag of discs. Nice! He, it was uh, Metal Gear Solid. It was Siphon Filter. It was both... Um, um, Oddworld games. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of games, and it was. And he had like printed out like the he printed out the covers of the CDs and like pasted them on the CDs themselves. Oh, he went all in. Then. It was so nice. I was like, it was the nicest gift. It was so great. I, I I treasured it, and I I played the hell out of those games. Like I've never played as many games as I have at that one time. Like um, Oddworld, Metal Gear Solid. That was also the, the year, the first year I got my own TV. I was so you had your own space you had to share. Yeah, even? I was still living at home. So we only ever have, ever, ever only ever had one TV in the house. Except for the little tiny black and white TV I was playing Atari on <laughs> that I got at a flea market for like five bucks. <laughs> but uh, no, I, was, I got my own TV, stuck it in my own room, and I was able to just to play Metal Gear Solid for as long as I wanted. It's interesting to think it's back so in those days. I, was like, like, I look back and I'm like, man, I was poor. <laughs> hey, I can relate. Like, <laughs> I had like no money. Like I think back... Like, I, I, it's funny because, like, on one hand, like, I would say the same thing, but I think it's just the way the circumstances played that made it different. Because what happened was, like, my family was, didn't have a lot of money, but I lucked into a good job at a teen year, at 16, because my mom worked at a bank, and she was came, she was friends with a former bank employee that yeah. ended up getting a job working for Core States. That was, like, the most Delaware thing ever. Pretty much. Yeah. And it was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. if someone wants All a job, we, yeah. we process credit card payments here. So they just threw me in there. I got a job working there. Mm, so yeah. it paid very well compared oh, to what kids. The, yeah, that uncle, right? That uncle was in the games too. Yeah, he yeah. he's up until the PS when the PlayStation came, he was already beyond it. But with Super Nintendo and Genesis, though, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a number one. Yeah, that's awesome. He gave me everything. Yeah. But by the time the PlayStation was a thing, my go my my luck came in the fact that I get in this job, I made enough money that I was like, you know, I can afford my own food because I was buying my own groceries at the time, mm-hmm. and sometimes my and my clothing actually. But I was like, I can also afford to get cool video games. So I was buying a lot of games, almost every game. And uh, what ended up happening was I learned about you know the fun that the magic and fun of burning. So what would happen is I would go to Blockbuster and oh. rent a bunch of games, and oh. I would burn them at home. But yeah. what would get weird is that it should also be said that at this time, CD burners were not super common. Yeah, and they the were ones, rare, and the ones that we had were like running at such a slow speed. Two X. Every once in a while, they didn't work. Mm-hmm. You would spend like hours burning a disc, only to find that it failed, and you'd have to do it again. It's actually funny to think back on those days because now, cause now right? you burn a, you can burn a disc within minutes. But yeah. back then, if I were to burn a PS2 game, a PS1 game, which was never more than 600 megs, it could take me about three hours yeah. to get it done. And then I'm rolling the dice on if it worked or not. 
Like if you bumped the computer, you could ruin it. Yes, there was a. Um, I, I was like in a high school like band. I'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. in a band, and we we recorded some music. And just getting it on a CD was a triumph. It was like no one walk around the computer you while it's cheered. burning. But but like getting it on a CD was like it felt really good. It was like this is a thing now. Like our stupid noises that we made can now be played in a stereo or a car. It was glorious. Yeah. Music playing the music in classrooms that we did <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. Well like I would go out and I would burn all these games. Yeah. I'd have like a spindle of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all my neighborhood friends were all impressed like man they used to call me like the whiz kid and the genius because I was the guy that could get all these games for them. But for me personally, I would take them home and I would try these games out. I'd put them in this like I'm gonna play this game. And then I'd put it away and go back to the games I bought. That was when I learned that my attachment worked weirdly with this stuff. Like, I was more interested in playing the games I bought than the burns. They were just kind of there to say, I got all the games, but I ain't playing them, but I got them. That did change, though, when importing became a thing. Right. Because imports, one, cost a stupid amount of money. Now, you say when importing became a thing. Is it? Do you mean to say it's when you discovered JRPGs? No. I mean, <laughs> literal imports. Like, uh, when I went to... Was that convention? Uh, NecoCon R, 1999. Um, I met a couple of particular people, um, Lynn Brown and Eddie LaHecka, and a number of individuals who at the time were like the only scene for like Japanese rhythm games back then. Mm-hmm. And they introduced me to Poppin' Music 2 and Busta Groove 2, which at the time I didn't even know got a sequel. Yeah. Oh, so when I learned they got a sequel, I lost my stuff. Like, How do I get this sequel? It's like, well, it's only in Japan, but we there are find, ways. We got to find a way to get those. We'll play those on stream. I still own it. We got to well, get those on a stream. That'd I still awesome. own it. Yeah. I know. I know. Good. We just got to figure out all the wiring. Ah, uh, yeah. touche. But yeah, like, I mean, it was just amazing to play these games and I wanted more. I wanted more. So it was much easier to have a friend say, I got pop music too. I'll burn you a copy. Or yes. I got pop in three. I'll burn you a copy. So that's, I don't have to worry about fighting importers to get copies of games. That's I how I was able to get all the DDR versions because um, the, the American DDR on PlayStation didn't, terrible. it didn't come out for, first of all, it didn't come out until forever. Wasn't like, the first one DDR, like DDR Konomics or yeah, something Konami, like that? Yeah, Konami Konomics. And it was, even that was like, even we're that all was the good like, songs. It, but when that came out, like we were, I think we were already playing Fifth Mix. Mm-hmm. And Fifth Mix ran at 60 frames a second. Which, I mean, it's just arrows moving on a screen, people, right? Like, yeah. how hard is that? But Konomics was still, like, the, the janky, like, 30 frames a second. Like, the, the, the timing was... Like, I would postulate yeah, that the weird. first good home weird. DDR game didn't even happen until the PS2 with yeah. DDR Max. Fifth was good. I, I gotta say, Fifth was... I say, When Fifth came out, Fifth and Extreme were the first games where you could actually, like, time and, and play well for... Like, play for score well. So and, fifth mix, and but then that would mean fifth mix, and then max, and then max two and extreme. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, then extreme. But ex, yeah, extreme's my my baby. <laughs> that's that's the one I love. But I play. I put so many hours in the max two though, like an insane amount of hours in the max two. Because max, when when max came out, the only the only arcade machine I knew about was that fun the old fun and games arcade way up close to New York, up in New Jersey. Oh, not on the not the break. No, it was it was further than the break. It was up and it was called Fun and Games. And then the break got Max Two, uh-huh. and then Max Two showed up pretty much everywhere. I actually used to play Max Two at the Exton Mall. Those were the days, man. Like traveling the old on Exton adventures Mall. for music games. Yeah, wow, we used to do that a lot. Yes, I feel I feel like that. Like when I when I first went back to, to round one, it felt like the same. Yeah. Like, I was like driving like 
wonder if they're going to have what I want, you know? I wonder if it's going to be there ready to play. Oh, you'll love this, by the way. Okay, yeah. So they just yeah. opened a rail one in Towson, Maryland, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, yay, they'll have music games. Maybe they'll get the popping that we didn't get because, you know, we're stuck with 19 or whatever, which sounds much worse than it actually sounds much better than it actually is. Um, but turns out they got nothing. I think you were the one that was telling me that there's like a DDR pad material shortage or something going on. And apparently it's there oh, because yeah, no, they've yeah. got no dance machines. Yeah, J- yeah, Japan's only they've only are releasing so many machines to America. Like they, they they're, the, they're the only ones producing them. They're the, they're only releasing them so many places. And they definitely yeah. hit the put the squeeze on them because wow. they haven't gotten them. They have no dance machines. They no. only have 2DX apparently. That's no, the nope. only rhythm game they got. No pump it up. No dance rush. Nope. He oh. says they only got 2DX, which blows my mind. Other side of the coin. Like not even fifteen minutes away from Exton is the fashion district in Philadelphia. Yeah, I saw the sign up there. I was there for Pax Unplugged, and they the sign have, for Round One was there. I'm sure our listeners are loving this right now. <laughs> they have um, a guitar Adora okay. with the Drummania, whatever it's called, but it's like the last version where it's it's two guitars plus the drum machine. So they got a good one, and it's an enormous like stage like setup. Ooh, like people are like actually like breaking, not breaking into the mall, but like putting their cameras like behind the doors to like say like this is what they've got this is what they've got they've got so it's not open yet but they're still setting it up yeah um, the people in the uh, Philly Rhythm Games group on Facebook some of them work around one and they're like they're getting pictures if they have a good pop in music I will be going there for them the 2DX machine they have is like half destroyed apparently there's like a machine that was like beat up to hell and it just keeps getting passed around passed around from location to location but they have like three of them at the Exton one and PA they should stay there. Keep them there. I'm like, whatever. It's Beat Mania. Just give us a good pop. I, I talked to, talk to other people in their rhythm games, and they're like, Beat Mania is not, like, the music's good, but it's not But real, the game isn't fun. It's not exciting. It hasn't changed for, like, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm Beat Mania, I don't enjoy playing. I like yeah. the music. If you could put all that music in pop, and I'd be a happy camper. It'd be different, yeah. Nine buttons, you know. No, whack-a-mole. Yeah, whack-a-mole. All right, we should we should keep moving on. This, uh, we've we've heard this song loop like twenty times. Sorry, guys. Hope you enjoyed the gabba gabba. Hey, though. Yeah. All right, so uh, we are on to your second track. So, moving up from the PlayStation One, we have the PlayStation Two, a system that I purchased on release day on October twenty sixth, two thousand. A system that I almost quit my job for because I pre ordered it in February. And then they told me I wasn't allowed to pre-order it months later because oh, I was wow. an employee. And I said, well, if I can't pre-order as an employee, I quit. Wow. And yeah. I will buy it. Because I was working at Electronics Boutique. And we were in the same mall at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it was amazing that they were, like, trying to pull them. I was like, no, I want my system. Give it to me or I quit. Mm-hmm. So I got it. And then I'll tell the rest of the story when the next track is playing. But let's get to the mid- nitty-gritty. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I was talking. The Adventures of Cookie and Cream. Ooh, good one. Boss 4 from the Water State. Torpedo, the jerk bag fish. That's not the name of the track, but that is the, where it's from. <laughs> um, the composers of this game are Kota Hoshino and Ikuya Ichinoke.
Welcome back. You're listening to the boss theme for World 4, the water stage from the game The Avengers of Cookie and Cream. The PlayStation 2 composed by Kota Hoshino and Ikuya Ichinohe. Right, just, okay. I, I just moved the microphone in the way of the paper. <laughs> What's going on this side? I was like, You're, the microphone's drooping. <laughs> Again, I, I'm not, I need to get a new boom. So, Cookie and Cream was not a launch game for the PS2. Yeah, you introduced yeah. this game to me. Yes, and for this was actually one of From Software's earliest games. Oh wow! Um, yeah, no one talks about it, which is sad because this is one of my favorite co-op games. Now, when PS2 came out, I purchased it again on launch. But most of the games on launch didn't really appeal to me. There was like this one game based on the anime called Orphan, which I didn't bother to buy. Oh, there was the, that was an anime. Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. And there was Evergrace, which I for some reason didn't oh, jump away. That was yeah. also from software. Yeah, uh, that was like a that was like a first person, um, but RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ended up buying SSX Snowboarding. That was fun. Which is odd because everyone liked SSX, but I couldn't get into it. And you want to know why? Take one shot in the dark. I bet you'll guess. Music? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't. It was all licensed stuff that I didn't care about. Uh, yeah, and, I was into it. I was into it. <laughs> and while they did have, even, even though it was a cool mechanic at the time, I didn't appreciate it, which was how when you went up, like got up, got airtime, the music would just drown out. Yeah. So not only was I not enjoying the music, but it was also drowning out when I got airtime. I was like, this is not, I'm not feeling yeah, SSX. It, instead of making the music adaptive with different like pieces of melodies changing here and there during certain points of the game it actually like created like it would like filter the sounds and do all this weird stuff based on what you were doing yeah, it's like almost yeah. like you know, like being up in the mountains or whatever it's like it gets quieter like sound dampens yeah, and I thought it was just like whoop, boom and you're back on the track it got me I was way into it but, trip, but, but a cookies and cream that was a game that was two players but on the same controller right not it's not exactly that you could do that so the way I and then maybe it was the way you showed it to me or the way I read about it was that you actually play two characters at the same time yes. using each of the dual analog sticks. And that's what I was that's what I was thinking. And that was kind of cool. You pretty much nailed it. So and this I'm sorry, game, I, I'm getting like a cold or something, so Snort! Well, Snort! I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm awesome to listen to. Amazingly. Right <laughs> right. uh, I'm messing with you. So like uh so this was the first game I bought post SSX. And it was the first game that I fell in love with on the system. And it came out on April 30th, 2001. So nail that one down. Oh, wow. I was My PS2 was pretty much collecting dust oh, from like- October 26, 2000 to April 30th, 2001. I was playing Dreamcast instead. Um, <laughs> but this was the first game wow. on the system that made me go, I want to play my PS2. And like Rob said, it was a... Two characters at one time on the screen. The screen was split down the middle. Right. And you were kind of controlling them both. If you're, It was meant to be played with two players, either with their own controllers or with the same controller holding hands. But if you were playing alone, like me typically, the idea was you would play the same controller controlling the one character with the left hand and the other character with your right hand. And that mess got confusing. You're like taking one rabbit, making him grab a lever, and then pulling it so he can get the crocodile out of the way so that the other rabbit can cross the stream. Yeah, and I, you're trying to maneuver all that with two hands. It became like a like a like a brain bender. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a yeah. fantastic game, but of course it was a clock too, where if you ran out of time, a hungry clock monster would chase you. And now you've got one hand making one rabbit dodge the clock while the other rabbit's trying to manipulate a switch to get the chased rabbit to cross the street. It was ridiculous. Wow, so you got this in 2001. I remember you brought this over when we moved into the condo. That was 
was back in 04? 03 or 04? Yeah, because Cookies and Cream is eternal, baby. Because it was, it was not soon after we got married. Um, or not, not not so far after we got married. And you were like, all right, you have a PlayStation 2 now. You got to play these games. Just all I had was like Gran Turismo. And, and I had a stack and, by and then. Final Fantasy X. <laughs> That's like all I was playing. But spoiler, he's still playing Final Fantasy X. <laughs> uh, of those two games, which one's <laughs> which one I'm playing? <laughs> no, I've actually stopped playing X. It's, uh, it's, I'll probably get, if I ever get back into like a stressful time in my life, I'll probably start playing it again. You'll enjoy this statement though, at least. I actually got yeah. chastised hard for dishing this Blitzball not too long ago on a forum. Oh, really? I mean, you know what? People are like, actually, sir, if you choose your team wisely, it's a very fun game. I'm like, what? I, what dimension have I stepped into? Okay, I played 44, maybe 44 or 45 games, and I counted them because I didn't want to play any more than that. Yeah, like, because, it's not fun! Like, I figured it out. I understood where the, the challenge was coming from. I realized it's like a sports game. It's It's a sports game. I'm not into it. Yeah, like it's, it's not even a fun sports game. <laughs> like I get what they were gunning for, I get yeah. what the attempt was, but just just because they nailed the intent doesn't mean the intent is fun. I'll say this: I I learned how to cheese the computer just to get through the matches. If I didn't learn that and actually had to like play through the game proper, it would have been so much longer, so much more so, horrible, so much more horrible. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not talking about Final Fantasy X again. I've done enough of that on this show. <laughs> Also, um, one Adventures of Cookies and Cream. You coming to my house, saying you and Christy are going to love this game. We played it a few times. We didn't. We didn't really get into it for some, for whatever reason. Because I was trying to get them into it. Like this is a great couples game. And since I don't know anything about being a couple, <laughs> I'm going to give this game to a couple to see what they think. <laughs> like, look at this game. Relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's yeah, pretty yeah. much what it was. Yeah. And that's why I was like, we don't like it. But, one rabbit pulls a cable. The other rabbit crosses. <laughs> Why do you not like this? Yeah. It's cool. It's a it's a really cool game. And this this song is really interesting. It sounds like the uh, the rhythm, the rhythm's like almost kind of off. Like it's just, there's so much happening at one time. Yeah, and bosses it's, can it's get really cool. pretty chaotic because whereas the rest of the game you're always on separate screens. Yeah, but it's always like it's all linear still. Like you're just moving forward from mm -hmm. start to finish. Yes. Yeah. But with a boss, it's usually some form of arena. And both rabbits are in the same environment together. Though sometimes mm -hmm. one rabbit will be a, a kind of isolated. Like for example, there's one boss where you're like, you're one rabbit's trapped in like a gladiator arena, and the other rabbit's up on the rafters. And one, the, the arena rabbit has to lead the boss towards like these like wooden pillars, and then the the, the upper level rabbit has to like drop pillars on top of the mm -hmm. monster when he's running under him, stuff like that. So. In the case of this boss, I barely remember him, but I know he like he basically was like jumping out of the water and trying to eat you, and like you were like trying to basically had to pull a cord. It was weird. Anyway, the point is, boss fights in this game were very hectic because you were trying to figure out one, what the heck they wanted you to do because they were like puzzles in a sense, right? And then two, coordinate yourself to make both rabbits do what they're supposed to do to lead bosses and feet. I love cookies and cream. Yeah, no, this is another one I kind of want to play again. Like, it's still good. Like I would like I would like to play this again with you because I feel like we would be good at like coordinating with each and other and yelling at each other. I will say that we play. We went to Matt's a while back and we played Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. I would play that today. That was awesome. But we also played Overcooked. Also awesome. It was good. I just did I because you and Matt knew what you were doing. I felt like I was just being like like a sous chef. That's right. They're like, Rob, go here. Rob, go there. Rob, go here. Rob, go there. And I'm like... That's one of the best like, things this about is, Overcooked. This is just work. Like, you guys are having fun. I'm Gordon Ramsay in that game, <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to admit it. 
You're you're an idiot sandwich. Move the take the plate. Move it over there. How hard is it to make a salad? All right, I put the ingredients there for you. You were chop it up. Both cursing like a sailor. So yeah, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yes, that game brings it out of a person. Like, what did I tell you about cooking properly? What are the five steps of proper cooking etiquette? Do it quickly. Do it effectively. Don't step on rats. Don't spill the food. Watch and the get three stars. And watch the tutorial. <laughs> watch the tutorial. <laughs> I love that game oh so friggin' much. All right, so let's let's move on to my final track. This is from um, one more uh, release game. It was called Raiden Project. Mm-hmm. So Raiden was an overhead vertical shooter in the arcades. Uh, Raiden Project, I think, was a collection of the Raiden games for the Sony PlayStation. So this one is called... I have the right one in front of me. Is the first stage from Raiden 2 called Repeated Tragedy, which is, they've all got crazy names. Um, And this is for the Sony PlayStation. This is called The Repeated Tragedy, which is the first stage from Raiden 2 on uh, the game Raiden Project for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Go Sato, uh, credited as Rise. This sounds anything, this doesn't sound anything like a tragedy. This thing sounds (laughs) immaculate. It's really good. So, my guess is that because Raiden 2 was also in the arcade on its own hardware, so. Like you would imagine how an arcade game would sound in the '90s. This sounds way cleaner, so I think that they like arranged it 
on like the original synthesizers and then recorded it CD quality for the game on the PlayStation because it sounds really clean. I got to mention this to Rob real quick so he's not like, what the heck is Purnell doing? Because I keep looking at my cell phone. Yeah, what's, so, going, what's so, happening? Are you, you're, you're Pokemoning it up, aren't you? That's right. No, no. what is happening is happening is like right now, apparently the Game Awards are on and oh, friend, right, and yeah. friend of the show and listener of the show, Matt, is texting me. He's like, by the way, the Game Awards are on. I'm like, give me the deets. We're recording. But if anything crazy happens, you got to text it to me. Because on one hand, I'm not generally big on... Like awards, is aside from like the general gossip of it all, because I like hearing about things I like winning awards, like Control getting Game of the Friggin' Year, which was unexpected, but Remedy, the game show, deserved that mess. Yeah, Control and looks cool, by the way. Anyway, yeah, it so. is. It's really good. But um, it just me, like, every once in a while, he texts me, like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, nothing yet, but it's coming, and <laughs> you're going to like it. I'm like, okay, just... Tell me the good stuff. Oh, so you're, you're watching out for for, uh, for updates. Yeah, I want to hear. There's a rumor that they're going to announce who the next Smash character is, and I'm genuinely curious because <laughs> the rumors have been swirling on that. It's you. You just take a picture of yourself. I friggin' wish. <laughs> I would love to be a Smash Brothers character so oh, much. I would like to be a fighting game character just because I want the the absurdity of a move set. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be to have a moose in? Maybe that'll be like the next game that I work on. Is I just like all the pictures that I have of you already for like the podcast photos that I do, and I just digitize you into like a Mortal Kombat style game. <laughs> but then we have to both be in. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be in the background, like going like yeah, yeah, right. like raising my fist in the air, like yeah. You can throw yeah. you can throw wall <laughs> yeah. turkeys onto the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm in the back like killing a chicken, <laughs> like in the back at the back of Chun Li stage. Uh, anyway, so I, I chose the, the Raiden Project stage. I, I've never really played a lot of Raiden, although I like it a lot. I love the style of it a whole lot. It's very classic, like classic space shoot-em-up type game. But this track reminds me so much of the modern uh, synthwave movement, movement that's happening right now mm-hmm. with bands like uh, Gunship and Time Cop 1983, which I am... Wait, that is the name of the band? That, they actually have the year? That's the name of the, the band. It's, it's one guy with, I think, some other... Uh, guest artists that's called Time Cop 1983 hey man your music is awesome what do we call you Time Cop 1983 is that the year you decided to make music no it's so good it's just the it's year so, so I want to be known under but when you first when you hear these opening chords on this track like it's so big it's so smooth and that, that the first lines of that keyboard hits it, it feels good to me it feels really good and then this really cheesy Sounding drum fills. Don't you call it cheesy? That's, that's, that's They're a, pretty cheesy. That is a masterpiece. They're pretty cheesy. It let me. It made me feel like I, I was like back it. in the '90s, radically skating down that cool half pipe, <laughs> looking for the next big curl, making up words that don't make sense. But remember, man, all those things. Like I don't know about you, but like the PlayStation was just hooked up to a TV and just those TV speakers. So like we weren't getting this, this, this level of like hearing the full surround, like hearing the full stereo, hearing the full spectrum of like the bass and the treble. Like we were just hearing like what was coming out the TV speakers. Back then I had a 25 inch Magnavox, which I bought with my very last KB toys paycheck. Mm. And it was a blessing. But before that I had straight up rabbit ears. I threw it through the window. (laughs) (laughs) Take that KB toys. (laughs) I actually had that TV for a long time. I didn't replace it. I bought it in 1996, and I didn't replace it until 2007. You have a tube TV like upstairs in your one of your rooms now, right? It's still, but yeah, it's not, but it's not that one. Right? But I'm about to ditch that and replace it with another tube TV. A friend of mine has given me a Sony Wega, 
which is oh. going to be awesome. That's like that was yeah. like top of the line that for like was. tubes back in that the really day. Was yeah. Downsized now. I got to figure out how to what to do with this tube TV because it's not really easy to get rid of tube TVs these days. Well, the people who play competitive Smash Brothers on the GameCube, they're gonna want it. Mm. Yeah. So if you're listening and I haven't thrown it out in a legal dumpster yet, if you're interested, <laughs> I know, get I know, this uh, TV. Uh, past guest of the show, Mitchell Wong, and game composer of Game Kind that just came out. Um, yeah, they they love Smash. I don't know if they play that version of Smash, but I'm always like, like melee I'm always like, oh, competitive Smash, go for it, you know. But but um, they might be into it. So okay, we're on to your final track. And so we've got PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three. Ooh. Probably one of the more humorous of the PlayStation releases because there's a history behind that, which yeah. I'll get into while this awesome track is playing. Because as many times as I can listen to it loop, the better. So, this comes from the game Disgaea 3. I want to say it was Absence of Justice. And the track is titled Modern Times, composed by my buddy, Tempe Sato. He's not really my buddy. But He's I your like buddy. No, it's, it's your buddy. He's your buddy. We, had we never even had tea together. You, you send him Facebook messages, and he keeps ignoring you. That is true. You know he's, he's, you know he's reading it. He's, he's, he's reading. He's, he's happy he's getting <laughs> the messages. You're listening to Modern Times from the game Disgaea 3, Absence of Justice, composed by Tempei Sato for the PlayStation 3 console. So, before I talk about the game itself, let's talk about the PlayStation 3. So, for those in the know, and maybe those who are not in the know, we know that the PlayStation 2 was pretty much the uh, 90 cuts above the rest when it was at its peak. The PlayStation 2 was a fantastic console. Tons of um, fun mainstream games, tons of fun wacky games, tons mm. of crazy, you know, innovative games that never made it to the States. Yes. Lots of good stuff. Right. So as a result, you would have thought that Sony could do no wrong. They could put 
they could take a, a Kleenex box, with a, put a CD drive in it, and people would buy it as the PlayStation 3. Mm. Unfortunately, Sony also knew that. So what they did was they decided to release a monolith of a console, charging $600 for it. Oh, my God. The date of release, of course, being November 17, 2006, at a whopping price at the time of $600. They told you flat out... In a press conference, you'll wait, get wait, a wait, second wait, wait, job for this system. What was the yeah, that's so funny. What was the date that it came out again? November seventeenth, two thousand six. That's right. It was a cold, cold, rainy night that mm-hmm. when, that, that, when that was released because I was working at an office right next to a Target, and the night that that came out, people were camping. Oh, they lined up. They lined up and they were camping in front of the store. There were uh, tents and people like in like. The sleeping bags, like in the street, and it was disgusting outside. And I the funny thing about it, and an unprecedented for Pernell scenario, I was not one of those people. <laughs> you were not there. I skipped the living daylights out of the PS3 launch because, quite frankly, the guy was arrogant, the price was too high, and I just wasn't having it. And it's funny, too, because I genuinely, at the time, liked Ken Kutaragi. He was like pretty much the father of PlayStation. I liked his mantra of he wanted to make a game console franchise or whatever that was respected by adults just as much as kids, mm. which at the time of the PS1... Which was make a giant console that looks like a VCR. Oh, PS1. Oh, okay. he, that was a vision back in the <laughs> oh, PS1. Okay, okay, okay. He wanted to have a console like that. But like with the PS3, I was like, no more. I'm not paying $600. Get a second job. Kiss my butt, Ken. I ain't getting down with that. Mm. Massive enemy dent. Massive crabs for enemy damage. Whatever the heck that crazy line was. That was a famous like press conference line. They were oh, interviewing. A I wasn't game. following games at that time. <laughs> it was like a game called Kenji. It was like you know, hit the crabs weak spot, hit the massive enemy crabs weak spot for massive damage. Some funny line that people still say sometimes. But um, I ignored this system for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, during the window which I was ignoring it, they stopped putting the PS2 hardware in the system, so it lost the hardware backwards compatibility, oh. which was a part of why the system cost 600 which I didn't get back then. Mm-hmm. Still in the box. I was a cheap jerk. Anyway, fast forward to 2008, when two things happened. One, they released a version of the PlayStation 3 that moved from hardware emulation of the PS2 or hardware play of the PS2 to emulation of the PS2. A little bit of a price cut coming with Metal Gear Solid 4, which I've still never played, and announcement of Disgaea 3, a franchise that at the time, for me, could do no friggin' wrong. I was obsessed with Disgaea games. The OST. So D- Disgaea and the promise of software emulation of the PlayStation 2 was like, it just sold you on this thing. That is correct, mm. good sir. Mm. And at the time, Walmart, only in Maryland at the time, had a really good deal going on to get one. So I drove quite a ways to get one of these PS3s. Well, where in Maryland? But still. You're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a, it was out there. It was crazy <laughs> in the wild. Big state. It's <laughs> a big state. Lots of crazy stuff. But I drove down there. I picked it up. I'm actually driven to Maryland for my JPS2 also, which is funny. That was a longer drive. Mm. And I had to beg a friend because I didn't even have a car back then. Um, but it was amazing. Like I drove in there, I got the system, hooked it up, and then got my Disgaea 3, and I got lost in the sauce with this thing. I was obsessed with it. And the premise of the game is just ridiculously stupid. Mm. So the idea is, well, all the Disgaea games typically involve the netherworld in some capacity. Right, right. Basically demons hanging out doing demon-y stuff. But <laughs> cartoony. Mm-hmm. premise of this guy 3 was going to a place called Evil Academy 
a school for demons. But even though they had all these wacky concepts to it, none of it made sense because the most well-esteemed demons never went to class. So to be a good student, you don't go to school. <laughs> but they still had homeroom teachers. And they still had people to note that you didn't go to class. And so like all of the all of, all of the, the, the infrastructure was like there. Yeah, you have yeah. this entire school that no one attends. <laughs> How and then they grade you by your EQ, your evil quotient. That's funny. It was some weird stuff there, but the track in particular here mm, This is this is fun. This track would play yeah. in class. This is the class. Because yeah, of course you're not supposed to be in class, but this plays in class. So this guy games are strategy games. Strategy role playing games. But they always do weird mechanics to make you want to max min-max your characters, get the most damage possible, whatever. Yeah. And in the case of this game, one of the mechanics for it was the classroom system. You would go to class and every character in your party had a seat in class and you had a homeroom teacher. Mm -hmm. Each homeroom teacher affected the kind of stats your class would actually build up mm -hmm. as they leveled up. In addition, if you set students next to each other in their desks, they were more likely to perform combo attacks <laughs> on the battlefield. So you were sitting there trying to determine which students should sit next to who, but who not to put so next to who. So if you put who. students on the battlefield that you didn't, that you weren't normally in class with or sitting next to, they would not do combo attacks? And oh, they would, just the frequency wasn't oh, there. Oh, the frequency wasn't as there. Like, if you put, like, four kids next to each other, or four demons next to each other, like, in a T formation in the seats... Mm -hmm. You would probably get like a 90% like a chance of all four of them joining together if you have oh. them together on the field battling somebody. So how did you feel about this? Oh, I was obsessed with it. Of I was course. quite fond of moving people around the desk, getting the right classroom configuration set up mm -hmm. while listening to this banger of a track. Yeah, this is yeah, this sounds like something I know you'd be into. It's got it's got like a surf rock kind of thing to it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. temp tempe sato? Yes. Yeah, so it's like it's got that production to it, you know, with the extra keyboards and, like, the drums. That's nice. Such a good track. And yeah. I still like to make fun of the main character's voice in the game because it was so funny. It's like, what was it? He was like a, he was like the most evil student at Evil Academy. He was mm. like also the overlord somehow. His name was, like, Mao. And he would talk like, he's like, wonderful. I am so intelligent. I have an IQ of 1.8 million EQ. It was just this amazing voice. <laughs> that sounds like you trying to do the voice of Chris Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that's know, pretty much you. Pretending to be like a super nerdy white, I mean, which we are, but like, it's so, that's funny. Like, sir, what was your inspiration <laughs> for this character's voice? Well, you see, there's this guy named Pernell, right? Yeah. And he has this voice that when he's trying to imitate another guy, <laughs> he sounds like this. <laughs> I want to hit that note. Wonderful. <laughs> that's funny. Like, it's like a, like a, like a, like a, Smash! Yeah, it's like a wavering to the voice. Ugh. Gotta get it right. Ugh, g -g 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 -g. <laughs> it was so crazy. I love oh, his man. voice. Pernell, I think it's time for the bonus round. Bonus round. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bonus round is the part of the show where we play uh, covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. And our theme this week is PlayStation or, or PlayStation memories, honestly. Our fond memories of early PlayStation days. So my last track is coming from Ridge Racer 1. Ridge Racer. Which was also a launch title. I didn't realize that. So Ridge Racer was uh, has a, was mostly composed by Shinji Hosoe, mm. um, which is a fantastic composer. And this is an arranged album that came out in 2013 
Um, and it is, has a lot of great composers on it. It has Rob KTA, who's going to be at MAGFest this year. He's coming from really? uh, the UK. He's so good. Uh, Joshua Morse, Andy Lofton, and, and a few others. Um, Blind and DJ Cutman. I think it was released by Game Chops. Wait, Blind was on this? Yeah. Oh, the album. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. He composed for Ridge Racer? <laughs> no, no, no. This is for the album. This is for the arranged okay. album. Um, and so uh, all the tracks are from different games. So some are from Rage Racer, some are from Ridge Racer 2 and Type 4. This is from this is uh, Gear Shifter, which is from Ridge Racer One, composed by Shinji Shinji Hisoe, and it's arranged by Joshua Morse and Anthony Lofton.
We're just feeling the music. I was feeling yeah. the groove. We were both feeling it. That was Gear Shifter from the album Ridge Racer, arranged 2013, composed by Shinji Hisoe and arranged by Joshua Morse and Anthony Lofton. That was one heck of an arrangement. That's so good. I mean, it's got like the synthesizers, the drum beat, the guitar, the piano. It's all there, man. It was a perfect amalgamation of glorious. Yeah, jazz, jazz, chiptune, dance music. It's like it's all popcorn, gravy, popcorn, (laughs) green beans, turkey. I think it's dinner time. (laughs) All the stuffing. Oh, I don't even like stuffing. All the fixings are in there. Oh yeah, so good. So yeah, I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised I haven't played more from this album. Like, like yeah. that's about to yeah. change. I wager. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. So, um, you brought something a little different, right? Yes. And I'm not going to say what it is just yet. I'm just going to announce what the track title is. This is from the game Castlevania Chronicles. It is Bloody Tears. We all know what Bloody Tears is, and it's composed by Akihiko Honda. Or Akihiro Honda. I'm sorry. So good, Pernell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Bloody Tears from the game Castlevania Chronicles for the PlayStation 1 composed by Akihiro Honda. Now, you might be wondering what the heck that thing was at the beginning leading into this. Yes, Pernell. So, interesting story. 
So a couple days ago, at the couple days prior to this episode's recording anyway, there was an article that came out on the hardtimes.net, which for those who are not <laughs> aware, right. is a parody uh, website, video games, music, just pop culture. Yeah. And the article's title was Piano on Pian- Classic Pianist Not All That Great Because He Can't Play Castlevania Music. So it was a running joke. Everyone was laughing at it. And one of my friends shared it with another friend, mm-hmm. a friend that goes by the name of Richardson or Pello. And he heard that he read the article and laughed. And then, like, his fiance, or rather, his wife said, Hey, I got this film. I'm going to come home. He's going to be practicing this. And he's like, you better <laughs> believe it. So, of course, that evening. He was like, working on it. Not even. It's like it was almost immediate, actually. He got home from work, sat down at the piano, said, Let me try and see what I can do with this. So, he decided to create what he never titled. So, I'm going to call it Prelude the Bloody Tears. That's the name of the track that I just came up with today because it's that simple. But he decided to see what he could do to just kind of randomly come up with a lead-in to Bloody Tears. Right. And then he started playing Bloody Tears, all just on fingers. Like, I can do this. <laughs> and it was an amazing thing. And not only did it just sound really good to me, but it also, one, it was at the spur of the moment, just him <laughs> just saying, I'm going to do this, which shows insane amounts of talent. Right. It also yeah, yeah. makes me want him and other people, for that matter, to do more stuff like this. There's just something cool about being able to say, "I've heard this track." Yeah, it's the new viral. Me- it's the new viral social media thing. It's the Bloody Tears Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> bloody Tears Challenge. Don't worry about throwing ice water on your head. You just get throw piano, bloody tears. Throw bloody tears on your head. <laughs> so now I got to take an instrument, guitar, violin, piano, whatever you're good at, and try to get a little like wingy dingy with tracks you like, like. Like, in his case, it was like a lead-in to the classic track. So mm-hmm. it was like him as his prelude. Make up, do like a prelude to something else. Maybe like a rock ballad lead-in to like something you like that you already listen to. Just something that just adds create a little extra creativity yeah. to that thing you already love. Take, take, take it from Purnell. A guy who can't play any instruments but the triangle. It's for a good cause. <laughs> it's, uh, it's going... Children's laughter. Yeah, it's for children's laughter. It will make children laugh at you. No, laugh <laughs> with you. With you, of course. Well, for more information on the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to the SoundClouds and Bandcamps and web pages everywhere where you can go and download the music, buy the music, and support these awesome artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 21-2 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our, we're calling it the PlayStation Power Hour. Powerful. It's a very powerful episode. And wonderful. I I love this. It's it's a beautiful. (laughs) Such a beautiful track. That's a great episode. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, this is just, it's really like just you and I like getting all nostalgic about pleasant playstation memories yeah it's like yeah. it's a fa- it was a fantastic system franchise and so many wonderful games have come through this machine that have been the foundation for a plethora of memories that are carried to this very day oh, yeah. and i stand by my belief that if it were not for the playstation success and how things took place on it JRPGs in America would not be where they are right now. No, that's true. I feel like the the, the Sony PlayStation is where they really got hold. I mean, the Final Fantasy VII, I think, is really 
introduce more people to it. Mm-hmm. But, but even like leading yeah. up to that, like mm-hmm. there was Wild Arms, Sweet Coton, or Beyond the Beyond, but we typically don't speak of that. But there was just this boom, and it was all on account of that machine. And like you said, Final Fantasy VII was the juggernaut that just finally said, you know what? These games can be profitable there. Let's release a crap ton of them. And then we got everything, including <laughs> things like Night and Baby and... You know, I don't even know that Eternal Eyes. <laughs> just a lot of random games you would have never seen come out in America up to this point. And a lot of them are probably worth some money now, huh? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if I could... Maybe that'll be the episode if I can find it. I took a picture <laughs> years ago of every PS1 RPG I still own, the cases of all of them. And I think I have like 50-something. Mm. And I know a couple of them are worth money, like the Ark Black Collection, uh, Lunar 2. So you should find that picture or take a picture again. I think our, our listeners might be interested in that. Yeah. Right. See if but, I can dig it up. But if you'd like to get into contact with the show, if you have any track suggestions, if you have episode title suggestions, or if if, if you're an artist, if you're a remix artist or a cover artist, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And we do read all the emails that we get, and it always feels good when we see them. And we will respond in kind. No, we will we will respond. And if you want more information about our show, full track listings from all the episodes, access to every episode, and links to all the other fun stuff that we're doing, go to the website, rhythmandpixels.com. And that's a good spot to go. There's also a link to our Discord server. Which I suck at using, but man, I need to get better. Yeah, it's fun. And you know what? From there, go to the, the look up the um, the VGM Podcast Fans Discord. Yes. You can get that linked from Facebook. So you can catch us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. And there's Pumpkin-topia. the And there's also the group, the VGM Podcast Fans group on Facebook. There's a lot of good, friendly people there. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. And the Discord, there's a lot, a lot of conversation happening there. Meet other people talk to them and share music and share happy memories it's really inclusive everyone's just really friendly there's no like gatekeeping there's no there's no people like saying like i'm more of a nerd than you are there's there's none of that it's just it's really friendly Um, so check that out and if you'd like to support the show just tell people about it you know christmas is coming give podcasts give podcasts this year rap sound (laughs) wrap it up just the box opens up and this booming bass comes out. Rhythm pixels. Perfect. You know those those cards that like you can record into it and you open it up and it like sings to you. <laughs> open a card. Ready? <laughs> Ready? <laughs> you open it up and remember. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be really good. And remember, Merry Christmas. Or if you don't want to do that, um, you can also support us by going to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. And there um, the money goes to help pay for um, the equipment pays for the um, just pays for everything which is great and it also helps keeps us going and we uh, you also get a um, access to a live streamed episode of the show every month it's it's just a, a regular episode but you get to hang out with us while we record it and submit tunes if you're interested and you get to submit some tunes definitely i always forget about mentioning that part and we also like to give a shout out to all of our patreon members at the end of the show um, so we'd like to start with uh, that Nick Walker, Mike Myers, a uh, new patron, Andreas Milberg. Thank you very much. I'm Welcome. sorry, Andreas Melberg. Thank you so much. Welcome aboard. Uh, Dan Loughton, Phantom Jest, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Schenstrom, Bobby Arson of One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, OK Impala, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, which we might be doing some more with him in the audio space. Oh, yeah. And uh, it turns out that I am 
kind of tangentially working with him in the game development space. So it's cool to be working with him. Uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast. Brian Pitt. Chris Murray. King of game trade and transfer. My God. The guy, the guy beats some games. Yes, he, he finishes does. them up. He sweeps them up. Um, we'd like to thank Bruce Irons of the Mad Gear. Uh, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy podcast. He just has a podcast out with um, another Patreon member of ours, Bedroth. Mm-hmm. That's all about uh, symphonic and orchestral, like orchestral music. It's really good. So go listen to that. Alexander Proudfoot, Davy Cakes, The Dude, The Last Weekend, Bedroth, again, Jupiter Jazz, Solus Sanctuary, Mix Six Master, Damian Beckles, Joe Vasallo, Chris Steenerson, Alex the Messenger, Messenger, Patron Saint of all VGM podcasts, and David Smith. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you so much for your continued support of the show. It all helps. Every little bit helps. Thanks for being wonderful people. You're all wonderful. And you're very appreciated. Yes. Believe that. Maybe, maybe, maybe for Christmas, I'll say your name twice. <laughs> In a box. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, that, that's it. I think, um, so our next few episodes is going to be all about the, uh, the best of the year, the best of the decade, the best of you. I'm even trying to think of possibly a, like a bit of a contest or a sweepstakes bit. But if I can think of it, I will let it be known on the next episode, most likely. Yeah. As a sort of, hey, it's Christmas. Do a Christmassy thing. So we'll see. Hmm. That'd be kind of nice. But um, until we think of those things, we'll see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. It's Rhythm and Pixels. We'll see you next time. And remember, yeah, this is honestly one I need to hear probably once or twice a week. Uh you might find yourself this is, video games is a pretty time consuming fun but time consuming hobby and you might have your moments here and there where you might find yourself thinking man i really should have been doing something else with that vi- that video game time i could have done i could have been an astronaut i could have been a soccer star or something not as far-fetched but also authentic um but it's worth remembering that there's an old saying that Time enjoyed is not time wasted. And though you may not have these things that what you wish or believe you could have had if you weren't into video games, Mm -hmm. you did get something else instead by being into video games. That being the experiences that came from them, the memories you built by playing them, Mm -hmm. the interactions socially you acquired by being into video games. Yes, there's such a good community. And through the, the VGM community, far less toxic than the community at large. So thank heaven for that. Um, But there's so much that does come out of video games. And most importantly of all, if you're feeling that way about it, even once you come out of that state, it's not too late. You can still make changes. You can still grow as a person and still do those things you wish you did prior. Mm -hmm. You're not dead yet. Keep moving (laughs) forward and see what you can pull off with the time you have. Have fun and work hard. And play hard. <laughs> Wonderful. This is kind of like a like an eighties Christmas mu- movie with music <laughs> featuring the wizard. <gasps> Wait, he's flying. Rudy, he's flying. Santa. <laughs> Santa's here. Nah, he's over there. Wait, who's on the roof? <laughs> Get my gun. Oh no. <laughs> we all learned a new lesson that day. Make sure to cover the chimney flume. <laughs> for would-be uh, invaders. 
Martian Invaders. Martian Invaders. <laughs>